Of all the fictions, which still shelter from the storm of modern criticism under the leaky umbrella of Catholic truth, the legend of the divine foundation of the papacy and the papal system is quite the boldest and most romantic. No divine force, but a pitifully human series of forgeries and coercions, of pious frauds and truculent ambitions, perpetrated in an age of deep ignorance, built up the papal power, hierarchy and creed. The Christian hierarchy arose in a very simple way. In the primitive community, which met at times to break bread in memory of Christ and meditate on his words, some division of labour was needed. It fell to the elder to break the bread and address the little group. It fell to a few of the younger men to carry around the bread to be ministers or servants. Then, as scandals grew among the brethren and sisters, it was just as natural to appoint an overseer for each group of communities. In Greek, which these early Christians generally spoke, even at Rome, elder is presbyteros, minister or servant is diakonos, and overseer is episkopos, hence the words priest, deacon and bishop. Certain of these primitive communities were believed to have been founded by the immediate followers of Christ, the Apostles, and they were called Apostolic Churches, and entitled to a special respect. Until the 5th or 6th century, the Roman Church was just one of these Apostolic Churches. Its bishop was called Pope, only because every bishop was called Pope, as every priest is in the East today, during the first few centuries. But the Roman Pope had two peculiar advantages, and these formed the foundation of his ambition to rule the whole Church. In the first place, Rome was the metropolis of the Empire, the greatest city of the world. In the second place, it was somehow generally believed, by the end of the second century, though there is no other serious evidence of the fact that the Roman Church had been founded by Peter. In the Gospels, Peter has a remarkable position. Christ is represented as saying to him, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. This poor little pun on Peter's name was obviously not made by Christ. The word church had no meaning at all in the days of Christ and Peter. A Galilean fisherman would have asked in astonishment what this mysterious thing was which was to be built upon him. There was no such word in Aramaic. Christ would have had to say synagogue, and he hated synagogues. The pun belongs to a later date. There came a time when Peter and Paul quarrelled, as Paul tells us, and there was a party of Peter and a party of Paul, and some zealous Petrist, possibly of the Roman Church, got that passage interpolated into the Gospel. That crude little pun has changed the course of history and made the life-work of Christ a mockery. From the Epistle to the Romans, which is generally admitted to be genuine, we gather that there were a few Christian families at Rome living in obscurity in the squalid shipping suburb by the year AD 59. Probably three years later, Paul reached Rome and was put to death there after two years of arguing in the poor rooms of his followers. I have examined at length all the evidence for this early period in a recent and larger work, A History of the Popes, and several other volumes, 
and need say here only that the letter of the Church of Rome to the Church of Corinth, though not unchallenged, is the decisive document. Catholic writers quite falsely represented as an assertion of his authority by Pope Clement in the last decade of the first century, and make him base his authority on St. Peter. On the contrary, the letter is written in the name of the Roman community, not of its bishop, and is a friendly appeal from one church to another. It states that Paul came to Rome and was martyred there, but it does not even say that Peter ever came to Rome, much less died there. 